0: Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC. Through the lens of Mississippi, I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, joined today by Brad Henderson, Ole Miss Baseball Radio analyst and career hits leader. Brad, how are you today, man?
1: I'm good, Parrish. I'm good. I'm still a little tired from the the long road trip to Athens, but uh, it was well worth it.
0: Yeah, that, that travel can uh, can wear you out like that, man. But you're back in the office. I see what's going on with uh, with Alpha today.
1: Yeah, just trying to catch up on some uh, you know some stuff I missed last week. Trying to get some stuff out of the way so I can head to uh, Birmingham. But you know, a lot of the housing market seems to continue to to boom, and a lot of refis and a lot of new purchases. So a lot lot of things going on today at Alpha. Now,
0: did the housing market slow down? Everything slowed down during COVID, I guess. When did you see it begin to pick up again? Things begin to move?
1: Uh, You know, I don't know that it ever really slowed down because even even during COVID, it seemed like uh, interest rates were so low, everybody was at least uh, refinancing. And then, uh, you know, of course, we thought with lumber prices and everything else going to go up, uh, the building really hasn't stopped. So it's, it's been a unique situation. Um, and so, which is good for us. You know, obviously, the, the more people are moving and, and, and selling, and it gives us opportunities in the insurance world. But uh, no, that, that side of the world never really slowed down uh, as far as the housing market goes. So, yeah, it continues to be good. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to, to service our people. Folks, Ole Miss will open SEC tournament
0: play Tuesday night, the late game, uh, sometime between 9 and 10 p.m. against number 12 seed Auburn. Ole Miss going in as the five seed after winning two against Georgia. We'll talk about the SEC tournament. We'll look back at the weekend. The Rebels finished the regular season 18 and 12 in conference play. Uh, before we get much farther, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission – Youth from ages 5 to 15 can develop their hoops talent this summer at iHoop, an OPC camp with Ole Miss women's basketball standout. Former standout Erica Sisk, ages 5 to 10, will work 545 to 630. And ages 11 to 15, will work 630 to 745. That's every Tuesday and Wednesday, starting June the 1st. Cost is $150 per month. And the camps run through June and July. And also, Brad, if you want to hone your water polo skills, man, water polo skills camp coming up June 19 and 20 and July 22 and 23, that's for ages 12 to 18. You must be an experienced swimmer. Cost is $40. Brad, I've watched that on on TV during the Olympics, man, and I've always thought it looked fun. But – uh, there haven't been too many – I never saw too many outlets growing up for water polo, but I'm glad, uh, you know, kids today, if they want to play, are getting a chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, what 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 an opportunity at OPC, you know, uh, for basketball. I mean, just all kind of different things that, yeah. uh, they, they you know, keeps kids busy in the summer and probably keeps them out of trouble and gives them uh, opportunities that you and I never had. I'm
0: going to tell you, just the, the list of uh, – of ways you can be involved there at OPC is really impressive. The Bollywood dancing, just so many different things. So we are thankful for their support. Uh, Some non-Ole Miss news, uh, Brad, over the weekend, Rob Childress let go at Texas A&M. They weren't good this year. Uh, They didn't win, I should say. Uh, They they beat some good teams along the way, but uh, didn't qualify for the SEC tournament. Uh, former Ole Miss AD uh, Ross Bjork now at Texas A&M making that decision. Did, did that surprise you to hear that news?
1: Uh, it didn't. You know, we were catching some wind of that when we were down there uh, just a few short weeks ago. And, uh, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog it's dog world. Um, you know, I think he had gone to 13 straight postseasons, uh, a, a heck of a baseball coach. They just had a down year. Um and yeah, I mean, it's just it's just the world we live in, um, you know. But it was the world we lived in, even when I played. If you didn't make the tournament, uh, you were you were on the chopping blocks. And uh, you know, it's it's I say it's easier now, um, just because simply you know, twelve out of the fourteen go. When when I played, we had twelve teams, and only eight teams made it. So uh, yeah, you know, it, it's tough for Rob. He's a heck of a coach. He'll get back on his feet somewhere if he wants to been doing it a long time he's got a daughter or a son I can't remember which one he's got a child that's going to be a senior in high school there uh, yeah. so he may take a year off but uh you know it's 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 tough and when you're at Texas A&M with all that money and that that board uh, that board makes a lot of decisions uh and Ross just kind of goes along with it uh but uh yeah it, it's it's tough it's a tough world these guys make a lot of money but uh Still, it's in their blood, and uh, you hate it for Rob Childress, but uh, he had a really good run at Texas A&M.
0: Well, he did, and so you, you look at a program like that, and there's so many similarities now between uh, Childress and, and, uh, and Ole Miss with uh, you know the, the Mike Bianco supporters and non-supporters, and he's got both. But I look at this, and I always think, well, what do you do here? How do you improve the program? Obviously, they want to be a higher-profile team in postseason – more consistently uh, than they've been of late. And I just read a few reports that said they were going to go after some uh, big name coaches. And uh, look, you don't always get uh, the big name. And, and uh, I look at Texas football a couple of years ago, there's probably not, you know, not, not too many programs uh, in college athletics uh, with more money behind them than Texas football. And uh, they couldn't just throw their money around and get Nick Saban. And uh yeah. You know, so you, could, you know, the days of just swooping and getting who you want, I think with uh, the SEC money that all schools have now, it's a lot harder to do that. Uh, so I'm wondering, uh, and this will be an interesting search to watch uh, who Texas A&M could get, and I think, uh, you know, Tim Tadlock at Texas Tech makes sense to me if if he was inclined to leave and uh, go to a, you know, uh, probably a school with more resources not that Texas Tech is lacking uh, resources in a great way, but uh, I would think Texas A&M uh, would offer a little bit more. It'd be interesting to see uh, you know, what the Aggies do. Who, who do you think might fit there?
1: Well, you certainly hear the, a lot of the same names being thrown around. You hear of uh, Tony Vitello at, at, at Tennessee being thrown around. You hear of Dan McDonald being thrown around and, and – uh, yeah, you hear of uh, Schlossnagel at, at TCU and, and Tadlock at Texas Tech, um, you know, and then they're going to throw out the, the, the ob- obvious ones as well, you know, as far as, um, uh, you know, David. I mean, they're going to throw out all the big names and, and they're going to go after the big ones first and work their way down. And, you know, but it's all about fit and it's all about timing. Um, but, yeah, they certainly have the money to throw that around. But, you know, you talk about a, a, a Tadlock at Texas Tech. You know, I talked with Mike Clement on the way back uh, this weekend on the bus, and, and you know, he, he was in the Big 12 for a while, and he was on Rob Childress' staff at one point at, at AM and and he said, man, I don't know if you leave a, a Big 12 school because still in the Big 12, you've got three or four teams that you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to beat on the weekend. You don't get that in the SEC. Uh, there's a lot more pressure in the SEC, not that the Big 12's – uh obviously it's a, it's a really good conference but uh you know you, you're probably going to beat your Kansas of the world your K-States so, you know and you can pretty much chalk those up as wins where you don't get that in this league uh but on the flip side if you're a competitor you want to play in the best league in the country and, and prove your worth uh so it'll be interesting uh who they go after number one and then on the flip side who Actually wants to take that job, but yeah, it'll be a it's a high profile job and uh, it'll certainly pay. Uh, but uh, you know, I was a big Ross Bjork fan, and and he'll get it done. He'll find the right guy, and and they'll move on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, comparing those conferences, Brad, I, I look at the SEC this season, and with uh, some of the records like A uh, and M had, Missouri, uh, Auburn getting off to a slow start, and they've played better of late. Uh, It did not look like the bottom of the league was as strong as it has been in recent years. And I think that resulted in two uh, conference teams with 20 wins, then Mississippi State with 19. I mean, you know, Ole Miss at 18 and 12 is the fifth seed. Uh, 18 and 12 has won the division before, you know. It's, uh, but it's, it was a little bit different this year. That being said, even if the bottom of the league was down a little bit, you still saw uh, a Missouri go into Starkville and win a series late. You know, we saw Georgia pick off teams, even when they weren't winning series. You know, they, they beat Vanderbilt. Uh, they knocked off – they got a game from Arkansas, obviously, uh, you know, beat Ole Miss in the third game. I mean, you know, teams like that uh, and Texas a and you know, winning the series against, against Ole Miss – uh, huge weekend there by Will Frizzell. I saw him hit a home run against uh, LSU on some highlights uh, over the weekend. Uh, even when that uh, bottom of uh, of the league might not have been as good as it has been in years past, it was still pretty good.
1: Yeah, well, there's so much talent, and uh, you know, it just takes it just takes that talent getting hot for one weekend to be a really good team. You know, and uh, it. It's it just, uh, you know, it, it basically boils down to staying healthy um, and your talent stepping up and playing. And, you know, A&M was that team that just really, I thought, suffered on the mound. They, they just didn't get a lot of people out. Uh, and and it's kind of that old school, late 90s. They couldn't out hit people uh, for the most part collectively. Uh, and, and Missouri was down. But you're right. Uh, a lot of teams that uh, a lot of times 18 and 12 probably wins the league. Uh, and here we are going to play tomorrow because we're the five seed. But, uh, you know, I, I think some of the better teams uh, were a lot better this year as well. I think Arkansas is the most complete team in the league. They do everything really well. Uh, Vanderbilt's always going to be right there. Uh, Florida made some nice strides there in the middle of the season. And then, and then the newcomer uh, in Tennessee. So I think the upper echelon of the league was probably a little bit better. Um And AM in and Missouri just couldn't catch up. At 18 and 12, is Ole Miss where you thought they would be?
0: Did, do you think did they overachieve because of the injuries or did they uh, underachieve uh, from last year's uh, 16 and 1 abbreviated team?
1: Well, looking back on it, I think they absolutely overachieved. Uh, I think if you'd have told me they were going to have two all conference guys go down um, and, and probably their best mid mid-relief guy, be a non-factor all year because of the injury of meniscus. And then Tommy John, uh, I, I don't think I would have penciled in 18, uh, especially with so many newcomers. Uh, and, and I'm even calling your your second-year guys newcomers because they had never played in the league. Uh, I mean, you look back, uh, you look at the starting lineup on this weekend and Bench, Graham, that's pretty much it, that it has any SEC experience. Uh, Graham being really the only name guy that somebody at the University of Georgia may have even heard of. And so, uh, to look back and think that they won 18 games uh, is pretty remarkable to me. Uh, because, you know, going into the year, you're thinking, well, we're just, we got a shot to out pitch everybody. And we certainly did, but you look back and essentially Gunner missed the last three weekends. Uh, Doug missed the first two weekends. Well, that's five out of thirty games. You don't have two, you know, you don't have your bullets. And uh, you know, they found ways to win games. Um, some of them were ugly, and then you know, they they lost some games they probably shouldn't have. But yeah, to finish eighteen and twelve, I, I thought was really, really a phenomenal year.
0: Yeah, I, I can't imagine that eighteen and twelve that uh, that they're not going to host. I'd like to see that RPI a little higher than fifteen. Uh, I thought that RPI Brad would take a bigger hit after Tennessee Martin, but it, it really did not. I think they went from 12 to 15 uh, after that game. Uh, but you know, they're they're just kind of what they are now. I, I don't think uh, uh, that stat's going to change much in the SEC tournament. Uh, how far can hitting take this team in postseason? Because that's that's kind of the calling card now.
1: Yeah, it is, and and. It depends on one through nine, uh, how they swing it. We've seen them one through nine all year be really, really good. Uh, And then this past weekend, we've seen them kind of be Uh, ho-hum. You kind of know what you're going to get from Doug. Uh, I I think he's an elite arm. And then we fall off. Uh, At times, we've fallen off pretty far and and had to rely on that offense. So, you know, I I think it's – for me, it's the bottom of that lineup right now. Can – can Chatney, Leatherwood, Baker, uh, can those guys drive in runs? Can they? Can they get on the base? Uh, you know, and they've scuffled the last two weekends. Now, a lot of that had to do with Vanderbilt, uh, but I really thought they would have been a little bit better this weekend in Athens, and, and they weren't. But uh, you know, it's still a team that led the conference in hitting. Uh, I think they finished second, run scored in the conference, one may one or two behind Tennessee. So it's still a really potent offense. Uh, But, yeah, I I think to make a a real run in the postseason, you kind of need that Tennessee Tech-like year. You know, when Tennessee Tech came to Ole Miss a few years ago in the regional, uh, this offense is going to have to win you some ballgames.
0: Yeah, and and I'm seeing the averages dip a little bit. uh, And you mentioned the bottom of the order there. I'm looking at uh, Chatagnier, of course. We've seen him struggle of late. Dunhurst and Leatherwood now below 300. Cale Baker was really hot uh, after the injury and he's, uh, he's dipped off again. I, sometimes this is that time of year, just that kind of, kind of break where, uh, uh, guys, uh, find themselves again, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, a couple of guys going the other way, uh, bench, Justin bench has kind of, uh, increased, uh, his production, Kevin Graham, uh, that average is about 10 points higher, uh, than it was, uh, a week or so ago. So you got some guys, uh, that are there, and it just seemed to be there. There are so many options, uh, so many different guys with the ability to pick up other players and, and pick up this team.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you're right, and, and you kind of see it that the the experienced guys are stepping their game up. And I tell you, a difference maker was uh, is moving Tim Elko to the DH spot rather than just allowing him to pinch hit. I think that could play uh, a major role in the postseason. Uh, he looks good I mean he looks a lot better than I thought he would running Um, and and so that that changes the uh, perspective as far as the opponent goes uh, when when you see 25 penciled in there in the five hole so uh, obviously it's just amazing to me because they've had to make so many changes on the fly throughout the entire season and, again, that's kind of why I went back and said it was a remarkable year to get to yeah. 18 because they've, they've had to adjust to so much uh, that really I don't think other teams have had to. You know, most teams have been able to pencil in their three guys on the weekend and pencil in, uh, you know, the majority of the starting lineup. And, and Ole Miss hasn't had that luxury, and uh, and they've made it work. And, and it's been with all new guys. It's, you know, we didn't have that – uh, bench that was deep it had some experience whether it was good experience or bad experience they didn't have the experience period and uh these guys have had to had to learn on the fly and uh to to get to 38 overall and 18 uh in this league is uh is pretty strong
0: now uh georgia won 13 to 2 game 3 there brad was 2 to 2 and then 4 to 2 as as that deficit just grew as and they georgia was swinging it well G- give them credit for that, but uh I just did you get the sense that Ole Miss just kind of settled, hey, we won the first two games. uh it just it just didn't seem real competitive there middle on from the middle innings on.
1: Yeah, Georgia just, you know, once they hit the uh, that three run homer in the fourth inning to, to kind of stretch it to six to two, you could kind of see the wind go out of ourselves. Uh and there was a lot of emotion in those first two games. Now they didn't quit on Sunday. Georgia just they hit everything we threw up there. Uh Every guy we ran out there didn't didn't make very good pitches either, and George just made us pay for it. But uh, yeah, two. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Thursday night was an emotional win behind Doug's, two to nothing, uh, and then the way we won the game on Friday uh, was 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 really nice and uh, eleven innings. And yeah, I, I think they were tired, uh, but I also think they knew. That's exactly what they needed was to go down there and get to to solidify. I, I still think there was a chance just winning one got us in, but winning two certainly allows us to host. And uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna say we played like that the next day. Georgia was just better than we were, but uh we, we had already solidified our spot.
0: I think so. But you leave when you leave pitches up in the zone, it makes a difference. And uh, and and look, that's just been kind of a you know, that, that's been a trouble spot, and uh, that's that's going to be a, a struggle, an area to watch in postseason. Now, you know, along the way for that old Miss pitching, didn't see Jackson Kimbrell back up a great outing with another great outing, okay, and, and he'll come back, but, you know, still looking for that consistency there. We're seeing a lot of rise right now from Brandon Johnson. Thought he pitched really well, pitched well during the week, you know, got some good outs against Vanderbilt, so so he's another one, another piece that's, that's coming on in that bullpen of late. And, uh, and he was such a big part of that uh, game two win there on Friday night. But I, what stood out to me was in the 11th. And I know these guys are freshmen. And, look, uh, it's the end of the freshman year when you're really playing like sophomores. But, uh, and we've, we've seen T.J. McCants and Jacob Gonzalez produce. That's so not surprising anymore. But for those two guys as first-year players in that situation in the 11th against that pitcher, that left-hander, um, forget his name. Yeah, Ben Harris, uh, to to have the patience, both of them, to go the other way, take those pitches the opposite way, put the ball in play, drive in runs. Uh, th- those were two very impressive at-bats there uh, from McCants and and. Gonzalez there in the 11th inning.
1: What, what, what yeah. did you see? And then, of course, yeah. Yeah. you know, Graham, Graham comes up and, and, and extends it. I, it was the same thing. And, and, you know, realistically, uh, TJ had struggled the entire game, had three yeah. strikeouts and a, a weak ground out. And, uh, you know, just the, the maturation you've seen from those two guys who've really done it all year, but to be able to sit back against really an all-conference guy, or this was their closer. I mean, this is their, their guy, and his numbers were just gaudy. Um, and, and to go left on left and sit back and take fastballs away, deep in counts, uh, to drive in go-ahead runs and winning runs, uh, it was fun to watch. Uh, but they, you know, you talk to those guys. I had a chance to talk with TJ uh, before game three. And uh, the, the, his mentality and, and how mature he is to be 18, 19 years old uh, is phenomenal. He's not overwhelmed by it. But but the ability his just God given ability allows him to do that because he can sit back see pitches and he's quick enough even as a as a freshman to turn on balls he needs to turn on so yeah it's uh you know it's it's good to see Uh, I don't know that you want your two leaders to be freshmen at this point but uh, they've certainly been good and and I think another thing that's helped them is is you guys like you got guys like Kevin Graham. Uh, bench and, and Elko to kind of protect them uh, when they need it. But, yeah, huge at-bats right there in game two uh, in, a, in a pressure situation. We needed that game uh, as far as regionals go, and uh, they certainly got it done.
0: Uh, All-SEC will come out later today, Brad. Uh, who would you pick from this team? Who would you put all-SEC?
1: Uh, if we're not going to say first team, second team, that are, are I think the two guys we just mentioned have to be on the all-freshman team. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about that. Um, I'm not sure that uh, – uh, Doug, uh, clearly to me, is the a, is a first team. I think they take three or four starting pitchers. I think he's got to be in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, I think D- Dunhurst has got to be in that conversation. Um, I think uh, Graham – has got to be in the conversation for an outfielder. It may not be first team. There, there's a lot of talented outfielders in this league that have uh, a lot of really good numbers. Uh, you know, it, it's probably not going to be for Tim Elko just because of how many games he missed. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if Tim was on the ballot. Uh, but he clearly would have been on there had he not gotten injured. Uh, and then Broadway, uh, will pro- his name will probably get thrown around. I don't know that he makes it because Cops has been so good. Yeah. Sims has been tremendous. Uh, but it just shows you a lot of talented guys in this league. And uh, But, you know, Ole Miss should have some guys uh, on, on that list re- representing Ole Miss. Folks, that will wrap us up for Justify
0: Your Existence where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Be sure to check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss page and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Lots of good stuff there in the group. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.